you take it off when you're ready because I can get on this. Amen. I am having a good night. to share with you guys. Dad is with, um, and mom are both with, uh, my aunt Bobby and uncle Joel. They're in from, um, Portland, Oregon. They just wanted to hang out, uh, with us. And my mom, this is my mom's sister. That is two sisters younger. It's the youngest sister. And her name's, uh, Robin or we call her aunt Bobby and my, uh, just some family time. How many of you guys like family time? Family time is fun. And growing up, the Johnson side of the family, which was my mom's side, was um, that was the house that you, when you went to it, it was just one big blur of memory. It's like I can't really tell you exactly what happened. If we did drugs and drank, it'd be a little like that because it's just one big blur. But I know we didn't, and it was just a bunch of fun and a bunch of love. It was a great time, everyone you know, loves the Lord and all the men would be upstairs, like having these theological discussions and we'd be downstairs, you know, playing, goofing off, making forts out of furniture and things like that. It was, you know how it is. You guys have those family memories where it's just, you know, maybe you don't. And I was really blessed too to have those. And so it's fun to catch up with them and see what God's doing. They're actually pastor of a church in Oregon called Destiny Christian, um, uh, I really think, but Destiny Christian Church or Christian Fellowship, and they have a, they rent out a uh, school um, auditorium or a, a school gym, and so every Sunday, like my cousin Josh, and they get there like at six in the morning on Sunday, they open up their gate to their trailer and they unload everything. They set it up. It's it's a a portable church. It's just like, oh my gosh, they set up partitions for classrooms and everything. And then at the end of Sunday, they all upload it again, put it in the trailer, go pack. It's just like, man. So every time I, I come in here, I, um, it's a lot of work. It is a lot of work, but actually that's, uh, that is a really good thing because, uh, it really keeps, uh, it keeps things in perspective. Actually, segue, that's what we're talking about tonight. We're going to be talking about focus. Um, if you guys saw on the back piece, uh, on the back chair, there is uh, my scriptures for tonight. Um, how many of you guys got one of those? Can I see you got it? Okay. Does anybody start on it yet? Has, okay. You are free to start on it if you want to. Um, it is actually, uh, if have you guys ever done crossword puzzles? Okay, this is also the English Standard Version, what you're reading. So um, uh, some of you guys would already know it. But anyway, we're talking about focus tonight. So I thought, you know what? What better way to teach on focus than to give everybody a big distraction? Because that's the way God does it. When God is doing something in your life... You, are, you usually don't, I'll say from my personal experience, when God was shaping me, I didn't know what he was shaping me into. All I did was I felt the effect of being on a potter's will. I didn't see what was in his mind. I just felt what was in my mind. And that was spinning. That was dizziness. That was where are you? Where, where, where are you? There you are. Where are you? There you are. Where are you? There you are. And this just constant spinning. 
you don't know what's going on. You know he's there. God, you're there. I know you're doing something, but I have no idea what it is you're making me into. And so focus is very important for the believer and because focus is actually what actually it's the is what facilitates and uh, allows for what we know as trust to be developed in our life. Every time my child needs me to explain my logic to them, I appreciate it because there's a level of bonding and communication that takes place, but I forfeit something. I actually forfeit the opportunity for them to trust me. You ever you ever told your kid to do something and they say, why? And you say, just trust me. You are purposefully withholding information. Why? Because you have something that you want to give them that is actually more valuable than knowledge. It's actually more valuable than understanding. And it's almost the... It's not the opposite of understanding, but it's the perfection of understanding. Because how many times, have you seen the Bible? The Bible says that trust in the Lord with all your heart and, and lean not into your own understanding. But acknowledge Him in all your ways, and He's going to make the path straight. He's going to direct your path. So the interesting thing about um, our culture today, and I don't mean this in a negative way, it's just in the epic season we are in history, is we've never had... We've never had everything so available to us. Okay? There is no more searching. There is no more... Um, there is no more wonder. Now, there is. Cause it, but the problem is, is the amount of time it takes to end your wonder has, is at an all-time low. Do you need information? Do you, do you have... Do you have a medical issue? If you have a medical issue, do you take it to the Lord? Do you pray about it? Do you go to webmd.com web, uh, or whatever it is and just, what do I got? What is it? Now, l listen to me. There's nothing wrong with understanding. There, I don't want people to think, oh, oh you don't want to, you don't, we're not, we're not a church that promotes um, uh, being ignorant to what you're going through. But there, is, there are times when what is withheld from you isn't to hurt you. It's to develop a side of you that will perfect you in your salvation. And when I mean salvation, I'm not talking about this, the, uh, what Jesus provided, but I'm talking about the, the place where the mind is healthy, where the soul can say, Okay, I'm content right now. I don't know what's going on, but I, I know who is going on. Amen. So I'm going to um, I'm going to do some notes, and then Bill, I have a movie later on. I'm going to play. Okay. Just FYI, it's I think it's the last video on the playlist she has open, and I was going to play it, um, but for some reason I'm not syncing up here, which is okay. Which is why I have you. All right, so. Anyway, it's good that we keep, this is our first thing, first thought for tonight. And what's difficult with a life that is so easily distracted is to keep your life in context. Okay? Your life has a context. When Esther 
was called when Mordecai called her in and was prophesying purpose, prophesying why she was alive. And then he said these famous words, we know it. He said, you have come into this time, this, this season, this kingdom for such a time as this. Amen. Okay. So, and we are believers. We, we don't believe that there are accidents. We, we know that accidents can happen to us in the fact that we don't understand why something happened. But that doesn't mean that the wonder that is in that moment cannot be taken and put you on a path to discover a depth of God that you did not know before that accident happened. Okay? Does that make sense? That your life has a context in the story of God's story. There is a, there is a, there is amazing thing that takes place when a child is born. How many guys have ever held a brand new, maybe one hour baby? You've held three of them. You have, you guys have held them. And for somebody to come in, think about this, think about this, just somebody to come in and look at this baby and look at it and go, can I hold the baby? You hand the baby over and just say, life has no meaning. Be like, what? What are you, what are you even, what are you talking about? This is just, it's all vanity. It just, you, yeah, you got pregnant and you ate food that turned one form of matter into another form of matter, which turned into tissue, which developed and is now is born. And this is one big part of everything that you have consumed. And now it's a living blob of flesh and it's going to grow up and be fed and die and return to the matter it once came from. And that's just the cycle of existence. Okay. That is, do you just feel, I don't know about you, but even just telling this example is the epitome of death. It's worthless thinking in it of itself. Nothing comes out of it. And I have loved to begin to listen to different ways of thinking because it's so easy to nowadays to, you know, flip on your social media and see all the different variations of existence of what people think or why they think, or this is why we're here. And you have some people that say that, you know, we're all going to do this and this is why we're here. And I, I really believe that the Holy Spirit, um, is, it allows for so much information to clutter every part of our world today. And the reason is he allows clutter is because he is allowing, allowing the opportunity of focus. Do you guys remember the story when Elijah was with Elisha and he was about to leave? And he said, is there, is there anything that you want Elisha? And Elisha said, I, whatever you have, I want it times two. I want a double anointing 
And he said, this is what Elijah said. He said, look, what I have had nothing to do with the fact that I have it. I didn't create what I had. So I can't give you what I didn't start. Listen, if it's for you, then when it's time for me to go, you will keep your eyes on me. Okay? Everybody say, keep your eyes on me. It's called focus. And then when the time came, you guys remember the story, right? There was Elijah and Elisha, and they were walking along, and the Bible says God sent a chariot of fire that separated them. Okay? They were separated by this chariot of fire. Okay? How many of you guys have ever seen a chariot of fire? I've never seen a chariot of fire. I've never seen it ever before, a chariot of fire. I've seen chariots on fire on the movies, and I can imagine a chariot on fire, but uh, this is a chariot of fire. I've never seen that before. I'm pretty sure Elisha and Elijah had never seen a chariot of fire before. But what happened was, is the chariot of fire split them apart. And the Bible says that Elisha went up in a whirlwind and then his cloak fell down. But the test was, could Elisha keep his eyes, could he keep his focus on Elijah when something of complete amazement and wonder had come into his his lens. The opportunity. See, this is an amazing thing. This is opportunity to keep your eyes where you are called to keep them. When God sends one of the most amazing things of wonder to distract you. Because he wants to see the price you're willing to pay for the thing you say you want. Distractions. I believe the enemy does send distractions. But I know God sends distractions. Because if you are not willing to pay the price for the thing you say you want, when you have it, you will not be able to steward it correctly. Does that make sense? Okay. Amen. I'm going to keep going. Keep your life in the context that God has for you. You actually have to remove yourself from the context that your friends are in, that your family's in, that your children is in, that a lot of times there are distractions. There's a, oh, my kid is going to fall off. My kid's going to fall off the end. He's going to, oh, he's going away from the Lord. Keep your eyes on the man God has called you to be with. Stop looking at the chariot of fire. Don't focus on the chariot of fire. You will lose, you will miss what you are called to walk in. Amen? That's good. Mm. That's like Holy Spirit UFO beam. Okay, so... There are other things. There are careers. There are ministries. 
There are, there are, like I said, there are children. There are causes. There are things, that I, and there are things that are coming between you that God is sending you to distract you. Because he already put something in your heart long before that moment that when he sends it, he's watching your reaction. Think about this. Think about, think about the ability of testimony that you carry for not having looked at the chariot of fire. I think it's very easy to, for people to have this desire of experience in the name of being seasoned. Oh, I've experienced this, and I've experienced this, and I've, man, you've, you've, you've seen a lot of, t- I, I want to make sure that uh, you're staying focused on what God calls you to stay focused, and I really don't care how many chariots of fire, how many things of wonder you've seen in your life. Are you where you're supposed to be? Are you looking at the thing you're supposed to be looking at? Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Okay, good. This is interesting. Here's just a couple points here. What would you think if you did not know what you did know? And here's this thought. Just run with me on this. You have, you have people who have knowledge. They have the knowledge of the chariot of fire. And they go through life. They miss their calling. So they have to elevate now this chariot. So you got people chasing chariots trying to find the the moment of wonder as an excuse to say well well that wasn't for me with oh no well that you know I know the cloak thing down and there's a double anointing but I actually failed I I actually missed they're not going to acknowledge that they missed their calling they oh my calling is something else now and so you have all these people who who are just going with every wind of wonder because they're because they can't be honest and say, I, I messed up. I, I, look, I didn't mess up God's plan, but I'm messing up my focus. I'm messing up my perception. I got to stay focused. You have to stay focused. And here's the cool thing. This is, this, you got to hear me out. God's not going to help you. God doesn't want to help you stay focused. He wants you to have willpower to follow him. A disciple is one who follows, is not someone who is dragged. God just, there was, there's a, a bunch of kind of funny lyric, uh, funny lyrics of these, like there's these emo bands back in the day. Be like, break my pride. It's like, I don't know if you're really, I mean, that's, I know your heart is like, really like, yeah, you're impressed with how, yeah, cool I can be. And it's, there's this way of like, God, it, it, what it sounds like is like, do whatever you want. It's like you want God. It almost sounds like you want God to remove your ability to have a will to say no. He wants you to be able to say yes, but he has to be able to give you the technology to say no. When we rob the opportunity for our children to fail, we rob the opportunity for them to experience success. 
They need to, we need to be, see, we need to be prepared for failure in their life. And if you're not prepared for failure, you won't know to ha- you don't know how to handle it when it happens. You need to be prepared for failure in your marriage. Because you're never supposed to look for that to fulfill you anyway. And Dad said it awesome on Sunday, is that your relationship is not supposed to fulfill you. What it is, your marriage is a representation of fulfillment. It should not fulfill you, but it is a representation of fulfillment. You, you, we know the difference between a representation and the actual thing. And so your marriage, the covenant relationship that you have with your spouse, it, it uh, replicates or it, it mimics that which is what is even more true with your relationship as the bride to the bridegroom. And the same with your children. We have a relationship with our children, but once you are unable to allow your children to find the pigsty of their choosing, you don't love them. You have to have the ability for them to say, I love you so much. I am, I'm going to let you walk away. Hey, but this is what Jesus did. This is cool. And I wanted to share on this for some time. And we, we know that when, when Jesus told Peter, he says, um, you know, you're going to betray me. And I, I'm already doing this with just myself. Look, I, I, with everyone in here, listen, I know you're going to fail me. Dad, Mom, I know you're going to fail me. Kids, Reagan, Judah, Kim, I know you're going to fail me. But here's the cool part. Once I have prophesied this, listen to this, I've prophesied failure. Oh, you know what's going to happen. Well, listen, here's why I'm releasing it. I need to release that because of this reason, because of what Jesus said. Look, you're going you're gonna to deny me, Peter. What was the next thing he said? It, to me, it's, not, it's the second word in this response. He says, but when you return. Listen, he doesn't say, but if you return. That's big. When you return. God is putting confidence, not on this side of Peter, not walking away, but on this side of Peter returning back to him. He says, Peter, when you return, strengthen your brother, right? So when my kids, I I am going to gladfully say, look, you're going to mess up. But when you get over your failure and you are in your road to success, when you return, I'm going to be waiting for you. I'm looking forward to it. See, what that does is that takes that moment. What it does, fast forward into Peter's life. Peter is now empowered to focus on grace. He is now empowered to say, okay, Jesus knew I was going to fail, but he also knew I was going to return. 
if he can prophesy my failure, then I'm just going to keep on walking out the prophecy and get right back to him. What we need to do is be confident enough in grace to say, I'm actually not worried about your sin. I am actually, I have more stock in grace. When you return, here is your identity. You are going to be the leader of the first, of the first church. That's what he's, he's prophesying. He actually didn't say that, but that's what Peter became. He became like the lead apostle of all apostles. Even though Paul wrote a lot of the Bible, Peter was kind of the one who kind of spearheaded the apostolic movement in the early church. Amen? Is that good? It's good. Almost halfway. So what kind of knowledge do you allow on a day-to-day basis to shape your soul? What kind of information do you allow to come into to come into your lens? We're talking about focus tonight to be able to to adjust what you're focusing on. Have you guys have you guys seen pictures where where you have this field of view? You have you know you maybe have a person and then like a plant and then like a waterfall. And you have this lens. You have a person, plant, waterfall. And you're able to adjust the clarity of what you're looking at based on your focus ring. You guys know what I'm talking about? So you can look at the waterfall, and when you're looking at the waterfall, the, the plant and the person are out of focus. And you can adjust it a little more where it puts the waterfall out of focus and the person out of focus, but the plant in focus. And you can adjust a little more, and you see the person and not the plant and the waterfall. You have the ability to adjust what you focus on. And if you guys are looking at your Bible verses, the Bible talks about keeping your eyes to, to, to be able to focus on what God calls you to focus. It says, it says, whatsoever things are, and it gives you this long list of things to focus on. Whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are holy, whatsoever things are just, Whatsoever things are of a a good report. Because, see, as I'm looking right now at our world, there's a whole lot of things that I can adjust my ring of focus on. I can look at this. I can look at this. I can look at this. I can look. Oh, wow. Look at the the world economy. Oh, my gosh. Look at the. Oh, my stocks are going down. Uh, Look at. um, Look at my kids. Man, that was. Got to work on. There's all these things. And then. But then I have this rule book, not a rule book, but it's here's the instructions that say whatsoever things are pure. Oh, let's, let's get off of that. Whatsoever things are holy. I want to look at that. What's just? Well, there's a lot of injustice. Am I, am I going to focus on injustice? Am I going to focus on injustice so I can become a judge to judge injustice and impugn my version of justice? Or do I say, "Mm, that's not my role? The Bible does give us governmental authorities, but unless you're a governmental authority, you need to get your focus changed. Because we do, the the Bible put those, those people in place, but when the church starts acting as outside of their function, you're going to, 
you're going to have a misfunction. You're going to malfunction. So we adjust and we, and then it says to set your mind on, on these things, focus on these things. So right now, as you come in, there's a lot of things that would love they go, hey, hey, look at me, look at me, look at me, right here, right here. I'm a problem in your life. You need to, uh, you need my attention. Right here, over here. No, over here. Okay. An interesting thing about the demonic, the demonic always, always cries out. The demonic always demands your attention. But Jesus he wouldn't pay a, he wouldn't pay much attention to the demonic. He would tell it to be quiet and he'd move on. Tell it to be quiet and don't focus on it because what it's trying to do, it's trying to distract you. See, you can't what we want to do, we're we're supposed to be the a conduit of peace, but if all you're ever doing is reacting to chaos, you can't you can't insert peace when you're trying to change chaos. What you do is you start, instead of reacting over here, don't try to fix that. What you do is you stir up over here the goodness, the good pot. And what happens is it starts, the miraculous and the goodness of God starts getting attention to the goodness because there is something natural in us that is looking for the good in life because if we weren't looking for the good in life we would like everyone over here is trying to address the problem they're trying to change oh here's chaos we got to fix the chaos fix the chaos you're not fixing anything you're causing more problems because you in an attempt for you to control the chaos your control becomes chaotic and now you have to have somebody control you and then they have and it just keeps going over and over but over here it's just a whole nother world the bible says when you set your mind on the things of the flesh okay but, but but we we're setting our mind on the things of the spirit which is not the things of the flesh which is why paul talks to us about we don't, I don't regard you as according to the flesh. What, what we want to do more than anything is have people be so comfortable. Listen, we want people to be so comfortable in grace that the sin in their life is actually identified and it becomes uncomfortable. Because sin is not your identity. You are children of God. You actually have the nature of righteousness. All he was doing was restoring the image of who you were. So what, what we try to do is want people to get so comfortable with grace that when sin is in the room, look, we're, we're, we're going to continue to focus on, we're going to focus on um, our role. My life has a context. You know, uh, one thing uh, dad has with me growing up, it was very hard for me to be able to discern as a young person context because I would do something and he would discipline me in response to it. But then Aaron would do something and he didn't do the same thing with me. What's up with that? That's not fair. Life isn't fair. We know that. But in my mind, I'm looking for justice. 
because you did it to me. If you're going to be good, you're going to do it to them. I love I love the saying, grace is not fair. Grace is never fair. It's God's trump card. Nobody deserves it. It is not fair. It is the most unfair thing to to sacrifice in our stead something perfect. But he redeemed us. Amen. This is really interesting. But in Daniel chapter 12, verse 4, you don't have to turn there. I'm going to read it. It says, but you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. This is this is also prophesied in, in Revelation 22. It says, many shall run to and fro. Everybody say to and fro. And knowledge will increase. So, to and fro, they're going to be going back and forth. And knowledge will increase. Like I said in the beginning, we've never had so much knowledge available to us right now. I mean, if we have a question, I'll Siri it right now and I'll get you an answer. What? Do you know why we have? You know why we educationally have have the the dumbest generation currently, and that's and I'm not trying to knock. We have some really. I'm saying an overall. Do you know why we have the? Not to say dumbest. I should say the um, the most undriven. You know we why we have the most undriven culture? It's because there has not been an opportunity given where there is lack and sacrifice in order for them to attain the thing they need. Wisdom was never to be given. It was to be sought after. When you tell somebody, hey, look, i got to give you some advice, they don't want your advice. If they would have actually been able to steward the depth and the beauty and the gold and the value of that advice, they would have come to you. When someone is doing something dumb, hey, by the way, I just want to let you know, um, just so you are aware of it, this is a really dumb decision. It's okay. I mean, I still love you. I don't, let me, this isn't who you are, but, but when, after you're done failing, once you get smarter, come hang out with me, man. Let's be friends again. Don't let what you're going through keep a wedge between us. But listen, look, I know you're going through some stuff. And you know that there's some decisions that you don't know are are right or wrong right now. But look, you need to make your way through this. And I am here if you want assistance and guidance. I'm not going to tell you what to do because Holy, Holy Spirit's your guide. I have a context in our relationship. And now listen to me. This is... please understand you have a context and relationship as a parent. This conversation right I'm I'm having with an invisible person is not a conversation you have as a parent to a child, but as they get older and they come to you and they demand their inheritance, if they have, if they have the grace to demand their inheritance, here you go. I'm waiting for you. Well, we're going to have a party. But you don't, you just let them go. Love will draw them back. Just relax. Trust 
the potter and don't worry about how dizzy you're going to get in the process. As a matter of fact, usually the more dizzy and the faster you're going, that's because the hotter, I know this from welding, the hotter something is allowed to get, the stronger it is once it's done. When you're going through hell, keep going. Amen? Signs of being unfocused. I got five of them. And then we're going to do this video. One thing that happens, one thing I've noticed, and I'm going to tell you this, this is out of personal. I wasn't like, who's some people that are not focused that I can get some points? No, this was like, David, this is you unfocused. You can write that down. Five things David does when he's unfocused. Okay? I'm comparative. <laughs> there you go. I'm, I, I compare myself to others. I, am, I, I put myself on their potter's wheel. And I say, this, this, God, make me more like them. And he's like, that's, that's not my beauty. I got another, I got, I got another purpose for you. I'm so glad Mordecai knew his place and he knew how to speak life into Esther and he didn't try to go and win the king's heart. I've been a little weird, but he knew his context. In history and in relationship, know your context. Stay focused in your context. Amen? Two is... One, one way I, I recognized I was unfocused was I had an inability to rest. I have to get things done. There are, it's a Martha spirit. It's the easiest way for me to translate it. It is a, I got to do this. I got to do this. I'm impatient. I need things faster. I need that. Look, when you come to a point where God is running late, you are out of focus. You're hearing a chariot of fire approaching and you're being tempted to look. Prepare your soul and stay focused. Amen. Number three, third, third thing David's noticed about himself being unfocused, not convinced about their purpose. Don't really, uh, don't really know. It's a, it's a spirit of meandering. We have a, because our options are so open right now, they're so prevalent, um, it, is, it is an invitation to, um, it's an invitation to question your calling, to question your purpose, and that is what you're doing is you're looking for the thing you're supposed to be focusing on. That's what you're doing. You're making this decision in that moment. What, what else? What else is there, right? And what happens is, is you get your eye off of the thing he's called you to do. Fourth thing, it's an under, it's a, it is a need, there is a need to undermine authority. That is a symptom that I have realized when I have been out of focus 
is that, you know, they really don't know what they're doing. That is something that I have realized that what I have done, when I, when I start to try to subvert the God-given authority in my life, what I'm doing is I am saying my piece of the puzzle and my perception of this puzzle is, is actually bigger and better than yours. Because a leader is supposed to be able to be an overseer, right? He sees over. He actually is, he's actually above because he's tr- his call is to look around and to see what's coming your way. And for us to say, you know, you're not, you're not looking at me right. Sometimes they aren't looking at you because they're looking at the, all the junk the enemy is bringing your way. And what they're trying to do is trying to say, hey, you know what? You, you need to work on this side. Why? I'm fine over there. You're fine right now, but the arrows are coming. And there is this, that's, that's what happens when you're out of focus. When I'm out of focus. Number five is it, is it doesn't allow for others to influence how they see. There's this, it is kind of a, an isolated place to be. First of all, it's people don't understand what I've gone through kind of a feeling, but it's also there is a little bit of a pity party, but people don't think I don't know I've ever been in a pity party and thought I was in a pity party. Like, you know, if 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 like I'm going through some stuff and I'm like, you know, this is this is not right. This is not right. You know, this I am. I am a victim here. I don't ever say I'm a victim because that's a trigger. Once I know that, once the enemy says that lie to me, he knows that would be a mistake. He's not going to use words that we use in here because he knows what we're doing in translating these things to you. When, When we are bringing the word and we start using terms like victim, if he was to say you're a victim, it would trigger, no, I'm not a victim because we always say you're not a victim. So he's going to use another way to say it. That's still going to put under this victim mentality. He's going to say, you know, he wouldn't say I have a right because we know that. See, whenever I say, whenever I have someone say I have rights, I think, no, I don't, man, my life does not belong to me. Like there's this automatic, so pay attention, pay attention to the original thoughts that are coming out of nowhere. He's giving you because he knows that you're not programmed to think that way and begin. He's, he knows that he's not going to use what we say in here, but the Holy spirit is going to let you know, Hey, this is what he's doing. This isn't you. You actually don't feel this way. You actually trust God, but he's trying to make you enemies trying to make you impatient. So listen, I want to play this video. And before I do, um, this is a really interesting video. It's about six minutes long and then we're going to close. But our focus on how we view ourselves how we view others is directly related to how we perceive his perception of us. We know that. We say that a lot. 
But it is amazing to me, and I think this, this video will demonstrate it, that there are things in your life, my life, that I am right now, I'm, I'm focusing on. I'm escalating. And I really feel that there is a, a call to unfocus on those things. All right, Bill, whenever you're ready. so cute when they have the little cheeks and they're like rosy but mine are pretty plain. If I was going to change one feature about my face, I would say that I would want fuller lips. I'm definitely a person that looks tired when I'm tired and when people say that I immediately am like, oh man. I'm starting to already get little crow's feet and stuff which like my mom has, so yeah. I'm a forensic artist. I was trained at the FBI Academy in 1993 in Composite Art. Worked for the San Jose Police Department as the police artist from 1995 to 2011. We didn't really know what we were doing, so that was nerve-wracking for everyone. I showed up to a place I'd never been and walked into this big warehouse, and at the very end, there was a guy with his back to me with a drafting board. I had a curtain separating me so that I don't see me. Uh, we'll begin. First of all, tell me about your hair. Uh, brown, long, I guess a little bit past my shoulders. Your jaw? My mom told me I had a big jaw. Yeah, the brown eyebrows, dark brown eyebrows. Okay. I didn't know what he was doing, but then I could tell after several questions that he was drawing me. Tell me about your chin. I guess I haven't really compared it to anyone else's chin, but um, especially when like I smile, I just feel like it kind of protrudes a little bit. Hmm. What would be your most prominent feature? I kind of have a fat, rounder face. The older I've gotten, the more freckles I've gotten. You sort of realize, oh man, now I, I have to talk about myself and, and, and think about my looks. I'm 40, so I'm starting to get a little bit of the crow's feet thing going on. Um. Once I get a sketch, I say thank you very much, and then they leave. I don't see them. I still didn't know. All I had been told before the sketch was to get friendly with this other woman, Chloe. Today I'm going to ask you some questions about a person you met earlier, and I'm going to ask you some general questions about their face. She was thin, so you could see her cheekbones. And her chin was a nice, thin chin. Mm. The women were really critical about moles or scars or things like that. And yet, they were describing just a normal, beautiful person. She had nice eyes. They lit up when she spoke and were very expressive. The length of the nose, what is that like? It's short. Short? Yeah, cute nose. Her face was fairly thin. She had blue eyes, very nice blue eyes. Okay. So this is your self-described image. And then somebody else described you in light of this sketch. 
see around my eyes and the was not part of the sketch at all that the stranger did. The stranger's lips a little more like gentle. some work to do on myself. Do you think you're more beautiful than you say? Yeah. Yeah. Chloe's perception was so, so clearly different. Her picture looked like somebody I thought I would want to talk to and be friends with, like a happy, light, much younger, much brighter person. It's troubling. I should be more grateful of my natural beauty. It impacts the choices and friends that we make, the jobs we apply for, how we treat our children. It impacts everything. It couldn't be more critical to your happiness. Our self-perceptions are generally kind of harsh and unbecoming when really that's not how the world sees us. spend a lot of time as women analyzing and trying to fix the things that aren't for you, right? And we should spend more time appreciating the things that we do like. All right. Not crazy. Thank you, Dove. <laughs> but I, I think that there's a, I think there's a, an amazing prophetic truth in that, that there are so many things that we could focus on in life, not just ourselves, but the world, the paradise that God has prepared for us and how we, how we see things starts to enable a deterioration and so I, I just want to challenge us tonight to, to rethink how we see what we see and that, that the knowledge that you are allowing to, to, to be a, a kind of a determining factor is it's very important that you pay attention to what you allow yourself to focus on. Because once you, focus, once you focus on it, then it starts to become empowered. It becomes magnified. 
And when it becomes magnified, you start to look and you start to make judgments and or, or even just decisions and or deciding this is the way it is. And the way when we focus on Jesus, when we focus on who we are being modeled after as God has us on this potter's wheel, we actually start to see a something that we love. We love him because he first loved us. Amen. Amen. Let's just let's pray. Father, I just thank you for the revelation of Jesus. I thank you for the fullness of grace and truth. And I right now I ask upon your people tonight that they would experience a a pricking, a pruning, a a calling a calling back, just like just like you said to Peter, you said, Look, I know you're gonna deny me, but when you return, I just I asked for the our original perception of what you created us to be, to be on its way of returning, and that that is the direction we are headed. We are heading towards you. We are pursuing you with everything. We are, your commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And I just thank you for this body, that we would all support that in every one of us, one to another, that that would be the sign that we all are your disciples, that we love each other. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys for being here tonight. Um, if you guys want prayer, you can, of course, you can come up for it. But I just wanted to uh, thank you guys for coming tonight. It's I love hanging out with you guys. You have a good week, okay?